All right, Chris, I'm issuing a challenge to you. You ready for it? I'm here for it. Can you be brief? I'm going to try Can my you best. you be succinct? I'm going to put forth my best foot. All right, this is Brendan Sinone, joined by Chris Snee. We're together again, reunited, and it feels so good. Guys, welcome to Knowles 24-7's On the Bench podcast. We're recording this on a Monday morning, and basically this is just going to be a quick-hitting observation podcast about what Chris and I have observed so far through the first four days of practice. So uh, without further ado, Chris, I'm going to throw this to you. Your big takeaway so far as we've seen FSU now a couple days in, well, shells, not full pads, but I've had a little bit of, of time now to kind of get legitimate uh, feedback and thought on what this team looks like. I think the offense is in good hands. Kendall Bryles, Randy Clements, there's clear synergy there. You notice that the two of them work together very well. There's an injection of confidence being done with the offensive line. Randy Clements is leading that charge. With Kendall Browse, we got to speak to him finally yesterday for the first time. What stood out about him is that he's very direct. He knows what he wants. He knows how to get there. He knows his process. He wants everybody else on board, and he's working to get those guys there. And he's pleased with where they are at to this point in time. Ron Dugans is a pro's pro. He's no, he knows what he's doing with his wide receivers. And that running back group, while not very deep, we know the talent that it has. LeBourne's healthy, so you know that they have three very good ones at the top of the heap. Well, I was, I was going to make fun of you for not being succinct, and then you just stopped it. All right, we're, we are going fast because Chris has somewhere to go, like in, what, 20 minutes? So, yeah, we're, we're going to try to do, do this quickly, which never happens on the podcast. I'm with you, Chris. I think, again, context, if it's just been a few days, the offense looks more unified to me. Uh, there seems to be a purpose for what they're doing from drill to drill. Even when things are sloppy, the coaches are you – know, t- today, for example, the wide receivers weren't holding on to the football very well. Uh, they were kind of sluggish. Ron Dugans gets, tries to get them going. And then the quarterback misfires the ball, throws it too far. Coach Bryles gets after him, chews him out for a little bit, just saying, like, hey, man, just lay it up and give it, give the wide receivers room to run under it and, and let them get confidence. Within a minute or two, man, like the slot wide receivers start going and getting the ball downfield. Keyshawn Helton, DJ Matthews, Treshawn Harrison, boom, 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 like that. All make nice catches in a row. Again, uh, on air, it's not a huge deal. But then you see the confidence build, and I think that's what, when you talk about the importance of having Kendall Bryles, Randy Clements, Ron Dugans, these perceived upgrades on the offensive side of the ball help, is they all know what they're looking for together, they're working together, they're all experienced coaches, and to all kind of get on the same page that quickly, you could see the players respond to that confidence. So I think to me that's a big takeaway early on. Let's go position by position. Speaking of confidence, James Blackman night and day different from last year's preseason camp to this one, would you say? Yeah, he knows what he's doing. He understands what Coach Browse wants of him. He's clearly comfortable in what's being asked of him. Having that spring under his belt as compared to like an Alex Hornibrook, definitely paying off for him. He's been good. We'll see how it is. We haven't seen a whole lot of one-on-one with wide receivers, DBs. We did the first day to some degree, some 11 on. We haven't seen a ton of that, so we need to see more of that before we know exactly how much the passing game is popping downfield. But James looks extremely comfortable in his own skin. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look like a guy that is thinking a ton out there. He's processing at a high rate, which is something that Kendall Browse demands of his guys. And of our listeners, remember last year uh, when FSU went into the you know the three man quarterback battle with DeAndre Francois, Bailey Hockman, James Blackman. I mean that felt like a legitimate quarterback battle because it was year one under a new coach. And this everyone, one doesn't. This one does not. Uh, and and part of me, well. One, I think it's important that James is is allowing himself, giving himself a chance to distance him from the other quarterbacks. Uh, Whether there was going to be a legitimate true competition, I think it's something that you and I both kind of rolled our eyes at a little bit. I thought maybe Alex Hornibrook could maybe make it kind of interesting, but 
it was clear this is James Blackman's job to lose. So far from what we've seen, what we've observed, what we've heard, he's he's done everything right. He's been far more consistent throwing the ball. Like Chris said, he's more comfortable in his own skin. I even think like a little bit of that extra weight that he's added. Not maybe it's not maybe it's not quite the 195 or whatever it's listed at, but he is a little bit bulkier. You can see the ball kind of comes off his hands a little bit easier, a little more oomph. You remember hearing that with DeAndre Francois last year when he threw the ball, it sounded different than the other guys. James Blackman kind of has a little bit of that this season. So I, I don't know how much to glean from it other than like he seems like QB1. We thought he was going into this. I don't think anyone's really going to push him a whole lot right now because yeah. he's, he's doing a good job making sure no one – he's not messing this job up, and I think that's the important part. A little footnote on that. I don't think any of the quarterbacks have performed poorly in what we've been able to view. I, I've not walked away thinking, oh, man, he's I'm, really I'm, struggling. I'm grimacing right now. One. Uh, who do you think's been kind of Jordan Travis is just all over the place sometimes. And we saw that early in, in the spring, and then he kind of rebounded and looked much better within the context of a full game. Uh he just it, the ball goes out of bounds a lot when he throws it. I don't know how else to put it. He struggles to push it down the field. Yeah, I, I mean, but that's who he is. Like mm-hmm. I don't expect much of him as far as a vertical threat. He's not like James where he has natural arm talent where he's able to push it like that. But to me, Jordan Travis can do a lot of what's being asked in a Kendall Browse offense, especially underneath to a high level. And that's what I we saw so in the too. spring game. And that's what they brought him in is to kind of someone who can make those those pop passes and whatnot. Um, Moving on to running backs, only so much to take away. We've only seen them with contact what once. That was today. Yeah. I will say this. It is a very small group. Uh, there's only three scholarship guys, plus you have Deontay Sheffield. And is it is it the walk-on ward is 38? I don't think we got confirmation of who number 38 is on the roster. Yeah, not yet. doesn't matter. The three guys they do have, though, all look like a million bucks. Like They all pass the eye test. They all look quick, fast. Caitlin LeBourne coming off the knee injury looks like himself, as far as I can tell. Like He's cutting and, and confident. He's jumping off off the ground and landing easily uh, and receiving drills. like He looks fine. Nothing. I don't want to go spend too much time on the running backs. Let's go to wide receivers, Chris, because I think that's that's a group that a lot of people want to know about. Keyshawn Helton has been the best practice player through four days. Right. Keyshawn Helton brings it on every single rep and does it at a high level, and he gets praise from his teammates, his coaches, everybody. It's just impressive. If everybody, if everybody on this team practiced like Keyshawn Helton, they'd win a hell of a lot of games. And again, today he picked up the wide receivers. Like today, when I was, you were over with the defense today, and I mentioned the, the outside guys were struggling. Keyshawn Helton, Helton comes in, gets a really nice rep. Dugans claps and loves him up. And then everything just started taking off from there. That's why Keyshawn Helton is valuable. Sets a tone. Yep, he does. He's that type of guy. And he did that in the offseason. Remember I did a VIP thing with, with after talking to some people at camp was back in June. He was one of the two or three guys that I focused on because uh, we've heard this. This is, this is who he is at this point. Yeah. Trajan Harrison's been good. Warren Thompson's been very good at moments. Also had some drops. He's been kind of up and down. But with Warren Thompson, you can tell he's working in a different headspace than he was mm-hmm. last year. He's much more confident. He's much more aggressive. Quicker, too. A lot more decisive. want to. He's a big play threat. He just needs to become a more consistent receiver. Keith Gavin still is sort of infuriating for every play he does make. He scooped one today off the turf really nicely. Mm-hmm. He'll drop one. Yep. It's just what he does. He one and today it's who too. he's been his whole career here. It's yeah. kind of aggravating. No Terry out there. Wilson was not present today. That takes away from the outside threats. Pokey and po- I think Pokey Wilson has established himself as someone who's going to be a guy who gets like 200 receiving yards per season the next couple of years, and it's going to be consistent. Like he wasn't that last year. He's been really consistent so far. Uh, yeah. Missing him in practice. He's a good. He's another really good practice part, uh, player and a good guy to have in the rotation. I like to say he's a guy we always forget about, he but is. he does it pretty well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he gets forgotten about pretty well. 
No, no, no. He <laughs> does a job of being a wide receiver yeah, pretty well. He does. Like he's he, he's, he's solid. very consistent at what he does. You can put him out there and, and expect him to not run the wrong route and put someone else in a bad position. Yeah, um, in, in the same boat of receivers, tight ends basically are pass catchers in this offense, so we ask to block plenty, but you know, we see them working vertically a lot. To me, Cam McDonald's a guy whose body's transformed. Much sure. thicker in the lower base, much more aggressive downfield. Definitely a guy that got after it during the offseason. Him and McKitty are a nice one-two punch. I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of work for the guys after them. Neighbors might be in there as kind of a lead blocker type in some packages. He put, he put someone on their butt he, today in yeah, Oklahoma he, drill. He's a dude that's <laughs> willing to put his uh, nose in the fan, you know. Yeah, he's but limited, limited in other areas. But Trey really and Cam receiver. have worked at being edge blockers, guys who can chip guys and get away with it and then get down the field and work as receivers. They both have improved in that department, something that Trey McKitty spoke about working very aggressively at. McDonald as far as the eye test looks completely different uh just just physically when you see him walking in and then you see him moving too he's carrying an extra 10 or 15 pounds very well we saw him block very well the first day catches the ball downfield with relative ease adjusts to the ball uh, i think he's gonna be a really nice addition to the offense if not this season coming down the road but but i think this year they're gonna find find a role for him because he, he looks deserving of it whether that's as a tight end as a wide receiver uh, again, that versatility that he has, I think, kind of gives him a chance to to be a guy this season. Um, focusing on the slot receivers real quick, that's clear to me, dude. That's where the strength of this passing game is going to be, right? We, we mentioned Helton. DJ. DJ we didn't even talk about DJ, but DJ's yeah. been very good throughout camp so far. He's he, in a good headspace, too. Yeah. I think our, our listeners probably care to know about that. He loves him some James Blackman. He does. He does. Uh, he said it's like... For him, it's like James Blackman's uh, mama had, had him and, and vice versa. And I was like, brothers... Brothers, you're saying brothers, and he said brothers, and that's that's what he meant. Uh, but they are they are very close. Those two have a really good rapport. Again, we saw that in the spring. We knew that was something to kind of keep an eye on. That's materializing into a, a for as infuriating as as DeAndre forcing the ball to, to Nooney was last year. Uh, yeah, I think it could be exciting to see James Blackman get the ball to to DJ when he when he needs to. As long as it's not this laser focus all the time, but you can tell DJ is going to be the guy that James goes to when he needs to to get bailed out. And then Treshawn Harrison's been working in the slot, in, inside and outside. Not a huge surprise. I kind of thought physically, like, he, he made sense in that role. He's someone that could you know, come come out of the backfield as a running back sometimes, catch the ball out of the backfield, get the ball on a reverse or something like that from the slot, get him the ball on screens when he's outside. He could do a little bit of everything. I think that's how Kendall Bryles views him. Offensive line, let's talk about that one because, well, that's the elephant in the room, right? Yeah, and it's deep breath time, you know. <sighs> It's clear that they're, again, similar to last year. Jamal Williams took care of Marvin Wilson. Trying to inject Sorry. confidence in the butt. I've seen it. When there's positives, there's a whole lot of butt slapping, a whole lot of happiness. You know, it's going on. They're trying to do it. Are they better? I think they are better. I think Ryan Roberts is a nice stabilizing force at right tackle. He's a guy we don't see doing anything wrong. We don't really hear a whole lot of praise. He, it's sort of he's like a ghost. Yeah, but he's he's been the starting right tackle every fine. moment of practice, can, and he's done it well. Can you imagine just being adequate enough to not get yelled at and to not get praise? Like that, what you would have paid for last season to have that at one of the tackle spots? Right guard Mike Arnold can be super infuriating, takes the wrong step, does things wrong, just a veteran who doesn't play like a veteran consistently enough. Well, the good news, Dante Lucas is right there pushing him, taking first-team reps, and Dante looks like a dude ready to do it. Dante does some things wrong, like any freshman on earth is going to do. But Dante will line up, he'll put his hands on you, he'll drive you off the spot, and he's physical. And, and, and he has want to. And he, and he has a leadership. Look, he does. He's always one of the first guys running. when when At the end, when we're usually leaving practice – 
And that's when the offense is kind of uniting where you're going from individual to team drills. He's always in the front of the line, or there was one day he was in the back of the line, and he busted his butt to get up there. Like, just something small like that, I think, is is why he's positioning. Like, that embodies what he's doing well. Also, dude, he's really, really quick. Like, he's, yeah. his footwork has gotten markedly quicker since we saw him even come in a few months ago. Even the hand placement, you can tell it's exploding into people. Uh, that extra 15, 20 pounds or so he lost since he got to campus, it, it's starting to kind of materialize in a guy who, who looks like a complete offensive lineman, or at least... I don't want to get ahead of myself. Has the makings of one. We talk about Keyshawn Hilton setting a tone. Dante Lucas sets a tone. He does it for the whole offensive line. He certainly does it for his classmates who are new offensive line. You know who else does too? Going down the line, Bavion. Yeah, and he's turned into a leader of that group. Bavion's an excellent leader. He's very self-critical, but he's also quick to praise himself, quick to praise his teammates. He's quick to be the guy that you know says we can do better, or the guy who says great job. It's clear he's doing that well. I've not seen a bad snap from him. I've always been very critical of his snapping because he struggled so mightily with that two years ago that they basically were considering moving him away from center at the point. Um, He did speak on that this week, said somewhat an injury made him think more about blocking than snapping, and that messed up his snapping. He seems to be over that. Brady Scott's your left guard. Seems to be kind of a safe bet other than Bavion to definitely lock down his spot on the interior right yeah, now. Yeah, Cole Minshew, which we haven't talked yeah. about since we have had our last podcast. We don't know exactly what's wrong with him. I know he had a neck injury. It didn't sound optimistic when Willie Taggart talked about during yeah. his pre preseason. He, he had press the neck conference. injury in the spring that kept him. He's had concussion issues before. He's had lower body, but it was a neck injury that was the most recent. Willie Taggart did not sound optimistic that he would be back. Correct? Yeah, it's not picking on him. He's not reliable because of health issues. No, you can't. Yeah, in his you career, can't it's point. just a matter of who and what he is at this point in time. Right. And then left tackle, Jawan Williams. This is the hold-your-breath moment, right? Yeah, it, it, it's clear Jawan physically looks the best he has in his career. He's had a complete offseason to prepare, which is something he's never had in his time at FSU. He's working with a coach that he, he seems to connect with, and Coach Clements. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's getting a little pusher from Chaz Neal, who Chaz has come a long way, but technique-wise still has a lot of work to do. Jalen Goss. You know, it has some really nice features, but he's also very thin. And then you got younger guys behind those two pushing him. So it's not like the competition for him is great. Mm-hmm. There's not a guy who's trying to take his job, like a Dante Lucas and Mike Arnold situation. And as much as Chaz Neal like, looks the part, he's still got a long way to go. Right. I, I, we think he's come a long way. He Hell has. of a long way. He has. Uh, but Farther than I, I think, I think I it's unfair with us saying, like, okay, he's had some really good reps in the spring, which he did, and that he's gotten much bigger and he continued to add weight this offseason, which he has. That, that automatically means he's ready to go. Right. He's a guy that we can – when we hear guys within the team talking about working out, putting in extra work, doing extra things, Chaz Neal is a name that comes up consistently, kind of like a Keyshawn Helton. Very big positive. thing with Chaz is he had a lot of stairs to climb to get to being the player he needs to be as a left tackle. So I don't think he's ready yet to take Juwan's job mm-hmm. if Juwan is leaving the door open for the job to be taken. That concerns me because – you know, you you want the guy pushing the guy. That's why you bring in an Alex Hornibrook at quarterback. You want somebody pushing James Blackman. Mm-hmm. Same dynamic at left tackle. Juwan's been good so far in practice. They're about to put pads on. We'll see when the bullets start flying, how he handles it. I can't jump off the diving board into the deep end quite yet, but I've started working my way into the shallow end of trusting that he may be a better football player than he was last year mm-hmm. and may be dependable, which makes the offensive line a better group as a whole because we feel better about some of the other spots beside him. But it's just I can't go all in on it. Even though there's been moments of like, man, he looks so much better. And, you know, Willie praised him today. Other players have praised him during the last couple days. He's noticeably more physically prepared to handle it. Just can't do it. 
I, I, I won't let myself be fooled. I'd much rather watch him whoop Boise State and go, well, hell, it happened, and be shocked by it than thinking it's going to happen. All right, Jawan Williams, All-ACC AC, all ACC Conference selection. Chris Snee said it first. No, I didn't. Taking a quick break. We'll be right back to talk about defense. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, yeah, Chris definitely didn't say that about Juwan Williams. Just for the clarity, I don't want him to, to, to beat me up. I feel like defensively, it doesn't make sense to go position by position. We could talk corners and DBs. let's talk about the let's talk about the scheme it's and uh, let's let's go ahead and I'll we're, do that. We the favorite word is multiple, but the truth is we just see a whole hell of a lot of three four. I've not <laughs> seen a whole lot of multiple. I've seen a whole lot of different three four looks. Uh, it. I I guess it. Don't shoot me down. So no, it's true. You know it's true. I synced it. It is. A, it looks much more like a three-four than anything else. It just depends. Like, who do you define? Like, Janarius Robinson and Joshua Kando are standing up and dropping into coverage more than they have. They're a little uncomfortable the with that. It, it looks. It's. It's a. It's a work in progress. Uh, I'm interested. But Willie see, likes that it features their athleticism. We said and, that today. And that's that, why I'm solely blitzing too, off the edge. too, if yeah. you're having those their, their length. But, uh, you know, do you consider those guys outside linebackers or no, you, no, 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 no? So and then if you're not outside linebackers and you still have three defensive linemen, right? And then they're but we're the seeing much more bulk from defensive linemen. It's you it's know, a hybrid, a whatever we want to Cooper, call it. Cooper, Wilson, and then a big body. It looks there's three guys with their hands in the ground, like you just said. It's those. Three, which makes again, if you're looking to get your best eleven out there, which is what they keep saying, they want to get the right eleven out there. They want to get the best eleven guys in the lineup and figure out what that is personnel-wise. It reminds me a lot of what FSU did in 2013 with Pruitt when they were trying to figure out yep. the BC game. They were yep awful, and, they, and they're running they like a three-four, and they kind yeah. of. They, um, yeah, I'm not saying it's exactly the same thing, but there's that's the one and famous Chuck Walsh coming in. Hey, Chuck. Um, but but that was something that they adjusted midway through that yeah. year and figured it out. Kind of reminds me of that is what they're trying to figure out right and, now. And Willie's talked about uh, Hampson Nazardine and uh, Jaden would be you know switching positions, working different spots in the spring versus fall, and that it was kind of a test run, and they went back from it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's fair to say they are test running that they're trying but, to figure things but, out. As but well. I don't want to. So again, like I I think just for the context, and you're right, they have from what we've seen so far, it appears to be a regression or not a regression, a, a return. To what it was, uh, which is back would last be year. working at the Line. money position, yeah. which is a linebacker position. But it's him getting it's a little an bit inside, bigger. but they also turn and go. But but they've been clear for for Hampson because people have asked about this on the message board. I think it's worth mentioning is that the guys are going to move around. Still, oh, yeah. and, and we're still four days in. They're clearly implementing a very different looking scheme than it was last year. The personnel is used differently. 
wait for a few more days and see where they're putting Hamsa, like in a nickel package. Or, yeah, I agree. Right? It's going to look different in a few days than it looks now. But it's clear it benefits at least two guys on the roster. Leonard Warner, which we saw in the spring, very mm-hmm. good edge rusher. But Amari Gaynor has been probably been... kind of breakout dude to me so far during mm-hmm. the fall practices. He, he's super fluid working that outside edge linebacker spot, flipping his hips, going, coming mm-hmm. off the edge, working downhill. He, he can work to all fields, and he looks very comfortable doing it. There's a lot of twitch to those hips, and right. he handles it well. And he has a thin lower body, which kind of gave me – well, so one of two things. First, coming out, I thought that was his strength, was someone who could play on the edge, was really good at turning the corner and getting to the quarterback. When they were putting him at star this past as, – as a rookie, then even in the spring – I was skeptical as to like whether that was something that fit his skill set or maximized his skill set. Now that he's a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, even though he still needs to bulk up to, I think, to be an every down, like big contributor, which is what they brought him in to be, right? He was a four-star recruit. He still needs to add more lower body weight to be an every down guy. He's someone who's certainly going to at least, very least, give you something in sub packages this year. He's going to contribute on special teams. He looks the part. He's athletic. He's twitchy, like you said. He turns the corner well, drops into coverage well. I, yeah, he's he's someone who's going to contribute. I wasn't sure if that was going to be the case entering camp. That that's certainly a guy who who the scheme seems to benefit. So best eleven on defense. Who would you go with? Well, uh, let's start out. Let's work back in. All right, cornerbacks. Stanford and Asante. Asante. Asante's a badass. Yeah. Right. He's yeah. their best defensive back. He's or, a dog. Everybody calls him a dog, but he lives up I don't to think it. it. I don't think he's he's a trash talking yeah. dude, and it's a blast to watch happen. Uh, so that's one. Levante Taylor, I've heard good things about in, yeah. in camp so far. Playing a little more of a hybrid role. So he's been yep. studying uh, Honey Badger and Lamarcus Joyner, and there's things he's trying to do kind of as a nickelback slash safety mm-hmm. slash come down and crash. Sometimes that play back. Other safety spot right now is Hamsa. Yeah. Uh, is that the best role for him? I, I don't think it's unfair to say he's one of your best 11 players on defense, at least one of your most intriguing ones, and a guy you have to find a way to get in the field. I don't know, dude. If boundary, I, I don't. I'm shrugging my shoulders. I don't know if boundary safety is the best spot for him. But sh- do we include him right now? Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, a guy like Fagan can be in there a little bit more against pass-heavy teams, mm-hmm. or you got Woodby at money potentially. You can kind of make up for Hamps in the passing mm-hmm. game. You can n- not so much switch to two, but they can you, go you different directions and you can handle yeah. things. So yeah, I think Nas is one of your eleven. All right, so let's count him. So your two inside backers if you're playing money and Mike would be Djax and hopefully would be at this point it's Brooks, but I think it will be would be when it, it does settle. People are getting infuriated when you mentioned to Caitlin Brooks there. But he's been running with it once. Yeah, so I'm just yes. putting oh, out there I know. I know, but but I like I like would be there in the long run. I think he I mean, he's one of your best eleven guys. Like that was clear last year. He's probably one of your best five or six defenders too. So he's in He's a high-end guy. He just has to get used to that new role. Got to find a way to get him on the field. I think he'll be the starter. Looking up at the defensive line, too, when you have those three guys, Robert Cooper, Marvin Wilson, obviously Big Marv is your best defender, and then Corey Durden, one, two, three. That's 1,000 pounds of guys. Yeah, that's it was a 1,000 pounds of three guys. Um, and, and guys who played very well last year and, and played with a lot of energy, too, especially when things weren't going well. Remember, that, those were the three that were rewarded in the – wasn't the Hippo package, wasn't it, those three? Yep. Um, FSU likes those the guys, and and so they're building their defense around them, which so makes sense. One of your edge guys would be Warner, probably over Gainer right now. Right now, I think they're going to be interchangeable. But you're the, the ones yeah. probably Kando over Robinson right now. Yes, but if you need a, obviously it's about getting the best eleven. So if you're running, you know, playing a team that's going to work the edge a lot, you might play a guy like Briggs because he's a very good edge setter, mm-hmm. for example. Or you may go even more with a heavy front. 
but they have or, a lot of pieces. And They're I, just trying to figure out how to use them. Derek best. McClendon too in camp. He was yep. up with the the older guys in day one. I heard he's kind of he's been working edge more as a um, big body edge. Maybe like a DN. yeah, maybe he's someone you put in on on passing downs or something yeah. like that too. And so. then Malcolm Ray's a guy that caught our eye. The weight he's put on is unbelievable. He's probably about thirty pounds heavier than when he committed to FSU, mm-hmm. and it's not sloppy fat. I mean, he's a guy that still looks like he can move really really well. Watched him a bit today. Was very impressed by him. He can certainly give them good depth in the inside part of the defensive line mm-hmm. when they have to rotate those guys out. And they they need a guy like a Cedric Wood or a Malcolm Lamar or Jamarcus Chapman, somebody of that sort, True yeah. Thompson, to step up to give them more depth. They have a lot of bodies, but they need to figure out who the dependable depth is. Um, One other guy who can maybe crack the 11, and again, this is depending on... Jaleel McCray. Oh, yeah. That, I was going to go with another freshman. I was going to go with Akeem Dent. Yeah. Uh, Willie praised the defensive backs, the young guys in the secondary, especially today. We know that Akeem Dent is someone they think very highly of, right? Yep. He, uh, he, and he's played cornerback more this, this camp, which I think is That's the reason he's not in our 11 is because he has been at corner so much, and those two spots are kind of locked Right, but, but if you look at guys. big picture, and as we talked about, yeah. what I mentioned earlier with like Hampson, when you go to nickel packages and you start expand, expanding the lineup and the, and the packages you're putting in, Putting him at corner makes sense, so you can maybe figure out, you know, he, he's your nickel back, or do you take Asante and put him at nickel and put Akeem on the outside? I think, I think that's kind of an ideal lineup for that. You know, your top eleven for a certain situation. Yeah. He's someone who, who probably works his way into that conversation sooner rather than later, based on what we're hearing. I would say right now it's fair to say they have about eighteen guys on defense that they can really depend on mm-hmm. that are interchangeable to some degree. Which wasn't 11. the case last year. The depth on defense last year, those guys got well, they worn sucked out. at linebacker last year. Right. I mean, it fell off a cliff after the first team, and they had injuries too. Uh, they had some not just that linebacker, right. but they had. They had you know, Stanford Samuels starting the year not at 100% didn't help them at yeah. all. And he said he uh, dealt with that the entire Levante season. Levante Taylor starting the year not at 100% and pulls himself out. Or, you know, they, they pulled L5 him out. They got basically rid of him. done the yeah. last four games He basically said, I hung it up just to, to preserve myself for next year, which I wasn't 100%. That makes sense. Uh, there's one or two other guys, too. But so secondary. Cyrus is a guy I feel like I'm got off on the wrong foot really last fast. Year. Am I talking really fast? I don't know. I like I this. Know. It's like cocaine cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but last year the defense had injuries and had depth issues and those two compartmentalized and compounded on each other and and, and they played poorly it, and they were exposed against good offenses yeah. at a time when they actually played well at the beginning of the year for the most part the better offenses they played they got exposed against and I think I was partially one going against better offenses but two being tired being fatigued mentally playing a ton of reps I think we start seeing them turn the corner a little bit I think that's one other takeaway that I've had dude. Is that the bottom? I don't know if the top of the roster is markedly better than it was a year ago. I actually think it's worse at the top from a talent we, perspective. The, the bottom to me is and better. the middle have been yes. elevated, yeah, uh, which I think maybe, okay, that, that elevates your win-loss record. I don't too. know that FSU starting 22 will be more talented than it was on paper last year, but I think their 44 they can depend on, 22 on each side of the ball, is probably better. Yeah, which is? And certainly more dependable. Which is when you look at what Willie Taggart's first two classes here have been. Uh, I know you wanted more star power last year. That was a miss. That's why you're ranked in the 18 you know, range instead of top top 10. There, I, I, I'm still concerned that they didn't add enough difference makers in this, this group, but I do think the baseline is brought up, which is a step in the right direction for this yeah. program, for sure, based on what we've seen the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you could go back and redo last year's class, you would probably want to get a left tackle who can come in and compete. 
which I think they had hoped Jay Williams may be that guy, but he's not that but guy. Not now. Mm. You know, you may have wanted to get an edge rusher who would maybe help rectify some of the movement you're trying to do Kayvon with the edge. Thibodeau was going to be that guy. Yeah, and you didn't get him. So there's certainly things you can reflect on and say, oh, man, it would have been great if they got that. But they went 5-7. and seven. They didn't expect to go 5-7. and seven. They didn't recruit as though they were going to go 5-7. and seven. And when they went 5-7, and seven, they had to adjust. They scrambled. And yeah. they scrambled. So it is what it is. Not going to pound on that. But, you know, th- those will be deficiencies that will show themselves at some point during this season. Mm-hmm. But in all, through four days of practice, I think FSU feels like it is capable of going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that there are signs. Yeah, I don't want to blow smoke up our listeners' butts, like, this Things have this, to go right. This isn't a perfect team. There's no. still a lot of flaws. You could see some issues with depth at some positions, but but generally speaking, from top to bottom, the roster to me looks healthier. It has, especially the bottom, it, it's being elevated. And that's that's with the roster that's only has 79 scholarship guys on it too. I mean, they're yeah. not maxing out what they could potentially have. And they still have, they probably have 10 guys who aren't going to be contributors right. in any form or fashion. Guys that are just basically riding the scholarship. Man, there are, a lot of, there are a lot of veterans that are working out with the young guys the yeah. first couple of days of practice. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and single those guys out. I think people understand who most of them are. Right. You ask yeah. us on the message board we can, but, if, if, if you really if, can't figure it out. If you got 65 people you can depend on to some degree and 44 of those, you know, two-thirds of that turns out to be good football players who help you win games you're in a good spot to be better than you were last year and work towards a positive future. And they believe they're infusing a not good class with what they're currently recruiting. So are you thinking 10 and two, 11 and one? No, 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 no. (laughs) Pound them breaks. But, (laughs) but yeah, I've talked about it before. A whole lot hinges on the Boise state game, injecting some confidence into them. Damn right. Obviously not a big test week three with UVA. That could be anywhere from two and two after four, one and three, three and one, four and oh, none of them would surprise me. Yeah. But it's a whole lot of to be determined. All right. What are we focusing on? We're wrapping up the podcast here. What are we focusing on, I guess, this upcoming week before we head down to IMG? We're good. Road trip. Road trip. Pads go on. So we're going to see some real football being played to a degree, which is always important. Pads also change the dynamics of O-line versus D-line. You know, less less to uh, get away with, a little bit more of a physical nature. I think it benefits the defensive line to put pads on. Mm-hmm. I think O-line's benefited by no pads. Right. I, agree. Uh, I think the other thing we want to see is can we start gauging if they can run the ball? It, it's been tough through four practices to really say, yeah, they, you can run it, or no, they can't run it. There's mm-hmm. just there's so little to go off of in that regard that it's kind of tough to tell. That That's the main thing for me. Okay. And I don't have anything I'm looking for. I'm just here along for the ride. So for Knowles 24-7's on the bench, I'm Brendan Sinone. Thank you for listening. This was the Rapid Fire Edition.